through Friday. So the next time we'll be together will be on Monday, taking Saturday and Sunday off. That'll be our regular rhythm. But we're day five into our journey through the book of Exodus. We're up to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to look at verses 11 through 22. Just remember where we are right now. Um, Israel goes from sort of penthouse to outhouse in a matter of uh, a very short time as they go from favored people with Joseph as the national hero to now 400 years later, there's been a change of regime. The people have been enslaved. Um, they are, they're, they're crying out to God and God raises up a deliverer in the form of a baby. And Moses is preserved miraculously, as we saw last week. It's meant to remind us uh, the, the New Testament writers say of the birth of Christ, of course, a redeemer, a baby sought to be slaughtered by uh, the powers that be. But God, in his mysterious providential ways, uses the weak things of the world, a baby, to, to grow up to be king with Jesus. And, and Moses' life is foreshadowing that. But now we're, Moses has grown up. Um, we learn from other portions of scripture. He's most likely now about 40 years of age. And it's just a fascinating passage, um, not only because of, of what happens in the passage, but how the writer of Hebrews interprets this passage. And so that's where we're, that's where we're going to go. Verse 11, chapter 2. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? And he answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father Reuel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and even drew water for us, and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him, that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Let me pray for us. Lord, remind us what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10. These words were given to also instruct us. And so, Lord, we want to be instructed. We want to have hearts that um, bend to your will and your word. And so, Father, give us that grace this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. On, on, on one hand, um, there's, you know, there, there's the surface level of what is going on in this story. Essentially, we have a murderer on the run in the form of Moses. 
He sees an Egyptian striking his countrymen while growing up in the household of Pharaoh. Um, as a Hebrew, Moses has been identified as an Egyptian, but, but his heart is being pulled. His heart um, goes out to his, his native countrymen. He sees one of them being mistreated. He kills the, the Egyptian responsible, but now everyone is found out and he is on the run. He is going into exile, or as Yoda in Return of the Jedi said, into exile, I must now go. Actually, that was in Revenge of the Sith, but you get what I'm saying. Anyway, what's interesting to me, actually fascinating, is the way the writer of Hebrews talks about these very events. So keep your finger right there on Exodus 2 if you're driving. Don't do anything with your fingers except steer. Hebrews 11, verse 23. Now, now, well, this is interesting. Let me read these seven verses, six verses for us. And think about what we just read about Moses seeing the plight of his people, killing the Egyptian, running away, going into exile, being a sojourner in a strange land. Now listen to the way the writer of Hebrews describes it. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they were not afraid of the king's edict. That's what we talked about last week. Now listen to this, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Now, this is, this is very interesting, right? And it helps us, I think, get behind the layer of what is being said in Exodus 2. So, so, so flip back to Exodus 2 for a second. And it tells us that when one day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to see his people and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. I think that these are, these are sort of word pictures to describe not Moses going out on the veranda in the, in the castle, okay, or the palace, and looking out and seeing from sort of from a distance some mistreatment of his people. I think this whole idea of going out to his people being you know, uh, being identified with his people. This really, I think, describes this process where Moses begins to, in a very, not just distant way, but a, but a very outward, inward sort of way, begins to be publicly identified with his people in some way. And so clearly, he knows he, his origins, okay? He knows that he was a Hebrew or is a Hebrew. He knows that his own people are being enslaved, right? And and so this, I think what's being described here is that this is much more than Moses, quote unquote, seeing or observing mistreatment, that Moses in some way has begun to identify himself with his people, to publicly align himself, to, to no longer see himself as a citizen of Pharaoh and of the empire, but in fact, as a citizen of Yahweh, of God, 
and publicly identifying with his people. And this is why I think it says one of he says one of his people went out to his people, looked on their looked on their burdens. And so so there's clearly some sort of transformation. There's some sort of transition. There is some sort of of Moses was in this camp and now he is transitioning over into this camp as the people of God. And it's interesting the way the writer of Hebrews describes that. Choosing rather, actually refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So in other words, Moses could have stayed in the palace. He could have continued to publicly identify as a prince, the prince of Egypt. Um, He could have... Um, align his life with all the pleasures of the world but yet by faith it says this is a a faithful act he has begun to 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 align himself with the people of God because that's his fundamental true identity now what are we to make of the fact that he is he has murdered quote-unquote this Egyptian there's a lot of debate among the commentators some say this isn't actually a murder it's a self-defense he's he it, it's it's a foreshadowing of the fact that Moses is going to be the redeemer and deliverer um, of Israel um, it's hard to know although it's pretty clear Moses knows that he could get in some serious hot water it says he's looking this way and that um, and it says that he's afraid and that Pharaoh is seeking to kill him now what's Interesting. We have this is why we have to really peer into the Word of God, okay, and not not just sort of sweep over it um, in a surface level. It says here, okay, that he was. And we'll go back to Hebrews for a second. It says, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Listen. By faith, verse 27, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king. Now, which is it? It says he wasn't afraid, but in Hebrews, um, but in Exodus 2, it says he, he was afraid. Well, I think it's, you know, it's both in this, in this sense. Moses was afraid when he knew that he was discovered. He, I mean, he had killed someone. I mean, he was in, in, in natural fear of his life, whether this was murder or, or self-defense or kind of being the deliverer. But it says that when he left Egypt, he didn't do it because he was afraid. Okay, and, and I think what that means is that at this moment in time, it would have been very, very easy for Moses to, to, to revert to his identity as an Egyptian, right? Um, he could have hid behind Pharaoh. He could have come and pleaded Pharaoh's mercy. He could have um, he could have said, "I've seen the error of my ways." He could have clung to the to the hem of his mother, who was Pharaoh's daughter. But when it says that he was not afraid, what it meant was he's he was not afraid to fully identify with the people of God, and he knew that by fleeing, he would forever and thereafter be a fugitive. Okay, from his own people, I mean, from his own homeland and from the powers that be. And the writer of Hebrews, in fact, calls this faith. Okay, and um, he did not seek Moses' recourse, okay, with um, 
the powers that could ultimately protect him. I think that's that's how these texts fit together. Now, what are we to take from all this? I think many, much, much to take, but here, here's, here's a couple of things. Number one, um, culturally, um, we are very bound up in this idea of identity, right? It's a cultural lightning rod. Either we're pro one political party or anti another political party. We're, we're, we find our identity related to gender, to sexuality, to race, to political party, to whom we voted for. Um, identity has come to mean sort of what I construct for myself about who I want to be and who I really am. It's something that's psychological, inward, um, self-determinative, right? And, and that's not the way the Bible speaks about identity. The Bible speaks about identity in relationship to God, in relationship to Jesus Christ, that we are not our own, that we have been purchased, redeemed, bought with a price. And, and here we're being pointed to this idea that, that as much as it would have been tempting and easy to fall back into one of his secondary identities for Moses, he found his primary identity as a believer in God, as one who belongs to the people of God. And what a great lesson for us, right? Um, again, we are just, the air we breathe naturally orients us to the differences that surround us. Um, what people say on social media, what people say on talk radio, what people say in the news, what people say on their blogs. Um, it's easy to align ourselves with various camps, right? And to see, and to see ourselves here and someone else there um, in terms of things the Bible, okay, um, says is not our fundamental identity. Our fundamental identity is are we in Christ? Okay, are we not in Christ? And that's the most important distinction that anyone can have in on this side of heaven. And we want to be pointing people, pointing ourselves, pointing our children, our spouses, our family, our friends to this idea. Let's find our identity in Jesus and the gospel and what he's done for us and not in the many horizontal identity markers that culturally we're so tempted to grab to grab hold of, right? And, and clearly this is, I think, an overriding theme of this text. And so we have to ask ourselves, where are we resting our feet? If we're resting our feet as our identity politically or socially or economically or ethnically or all the other elites, okay, out there, um, we will ultimately be disappointed. It will take us somewhere um, that is, is not closer to the heart of God, but further from the heart of God. It will be more difficult to be peacemakers. It will be more difficult uh, to bring shalom. It will be more difficult to bring gospel witness. So, so we learn from Moses that um, he was all in, in terms of his identity with God. And he just said, God, take, let that identity take me wherever it be, whether um, it means poverty, death, um, what have you. That's why I think the Hebrew writer of Hebrews says he acts in faith. And may we do likewise. All right, let me pray for us. And we'll be back here first thing Monday morning. Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for giving us commentary on your word and other parts of your word. And so, Lord, help us to see the, 
the, the acts of faithfulness that Moses is walking out here and how he found his fundamental identity in you and let it be the same for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks.